This is the Red Cliff Marketing Show. Get ready to boost your marketing skills, get more customers, and take your business to the next level. Check out the latest on the blog at redcliffmarketinglabs.com.au or subscribe on iTunes. Now, here's your host, Mick Cullen. Hi, g'day folks, it's Mick here, and I'm sitting with Carl Queston from Agent Mail. And uh, we're based. Well, you're basically based here in, in Clontarf and operating and servicing. How how wide an area do you service? What's the furthest um, clientele you've got? Oh, Australia wide. So we have clients in Northern Territory, some in uh, Western Australia, some in Victoria. Um, we've even got a customer over in the states. Um, so yeah, quite. We're sort of able to service clients anywhere, basically. All right, and we'll describe what the business is quickly, but it's basically about direct mail and, and mailing out on behalf of other businesses. That's but right. What's your background, though, Carl? How did you get into into this business and you know, yeah. get started? This is your first business. What did you do beforehand? Yeah, look, well, um, basically my, my background has always been in sales and marketing, so I've always been in, in a sales-related um, role. Um, how I ended up in the mailing industry was my previous role, I was actually selling equipment um, to to people that were doing mail outs. So we sold uh, folding and inserting machines, franking machines, or postage meters as they're now known. Yep. Um, and what I sort of noticed was that as mail volumes were declining, customers were finding it harder and harder to keep up with the cost of ownership of the machines versus the amount of volume they're actually sending out. So sort of decided after a bit of um, you know industry research that there was a bit of a gap in the market for mail houses that were focused on smaller runs. So your big mail houses like the Salmats and computer shares would go after your, your ANZ, your governments, your high-end corporates. They didn't want to touch anything that was, you know, sub 5,000 letters. So sure. we sort of found that there was there was a lot less um, activity in that space, but there was a, a definite need for it as well. All right, we'll have to talk about some of those machines as we go through because you sure. know, a lot of people yeah. won't have seen them or have any idea of how they fit in. So Absolutely. We'll, so we'll do that. But okay, well, let's, Carl, let's talk about what is direct mail. So for a business owner who is being bombarded by you know online advertising and yellow pages and all the other bits and pieces, what's direct mail and how you know how does it work? Yeah, so so direct mail or, or snail mail, as a lot of people um, tend to refer to it, um, it sort of goes back to the the, the core basics, I guess, of. Um, Print, print media and print advertising. Um, so direct mail is essentially uh, a printed form that goes into an envelope, is delivered personally addressed to someone's either residential or business address. Um, so that's in, in a nutshell what direct mail is. Okay, so when you go to your letterbox, you open up the mail and you get your you know your bills and everything else that comes through. So anything that's really kind of like hey, from a company uh, falls into the, the idea of you know, direct mail. That's right. Yeah. Look, a lot of people, um, when we talk about direct mail, it tends to be from a marketing perspective rather than just transactional. Um, a lot of businesses now um, in sort of the, the highest um, category are, are essentially sort of trying to merge the two. So it's what's called trans promo. Yep. Um, so they have transactional mail, but there's a promotional element to it. And that's, so when you're talking transactional, it's like your, your gas bill. And yep. where you're talking about it now is there's almost half the, the gas bill is dedicated to some kind of uh, either, you know, reference of your previous bills or promotion or maintaining loyalty or something like that. Exactly right, yeah. So a lot of, you, you'll see it sort of with electricity companies now, they'll be promoting their uh, solar products in, in the um, in the letter. Yep. Um, depending on your bill usage, they also have certain um, certain products which they'll sort of cross-sell to you. Similar with the banks as well as they will, um, there's actually quite clever intelligent software which can change the direct mail piece based on someone's bank account for example so if for example you're running pretty close 
uh, you know, to zero in your bank account, you're likely to get an offer for a credit card or an overdraft facility or something like that. If you're someone that has a much larger bank balance, you're more likely to get information about term deposits and investing. So okay. that that's sort of how the TransPromo side of things work. And maybe a fairly modern thing, just on the fact that you've got databases and mail mode software and things like that, that you can actually be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. So we refer to it as variable, variable data publishing. So it's essentially using the data um, from, from within a CRM, within a um, an ERP or a, you know some sort of held system or spreadsheet, and then using that information to customize the letter based on that individual. So, right. so if we would have done that right down to the level with you know most, uh, and not the <laughs> don't mean to be disparaging <laughs> there, but um, if we talk about mail merging in Microsoft, exactly Office, so right. You have a templated letter, yep. and you're able to suck suck out the, the name or the address for the labels and things like that. And this is just doing that on a on a grander scale, grander exactly scale. right. Yeah, so mail merge is your, is your basic form of variable data publishing. Yep. Then going through different stages, you sort of end up where you can. We have one client, for example, where we actually um, return different images um, based on on a person's geographic location. Yep, um, and we'll probably touch on later about uh, keying. I don't know if they still call it keying, but a lot of the old direct mail uh, response uh, sort of manuals and things like that talk about the fact that you, if you're going to do it properly, you need to be able to run different uh, mail outs and be able to measure all the responses per um, each mail out. So they still call it keying? Or they... Yeah, or split testing. Um, yeah. AB split testing um, is sort of a common term that's used as well. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely part of a long-term campaign strategy um, rather than sort of just a one hit and hope for the best. Excellent. Okay, we'll get into that. Uh, look, people are always saying that, you know, radio's dead, TV's dead uh, for advertising, uh, Yellow Pages dead, SEO's dead, all those sort of things. And, you know, quite often they say, you know, direct mail and, and mailing out is dead, given the cost, you know, why would you spend, you know, $1.50 or $2 or whatever it costs to mail out a letter when you can send something for, for free on, on an email? So what's the kind of um, industry feedback on, on that? Yeah, well, look, um, I guess it certainly comes down to how the campaign is executed. Um, you know what the message is that's actually being put out, and what what the um, what the outcome is that people actually want from it. One of the big problems, especially in small businesses, with most of their marketing activities, it's done without actually understanding what outcome they want to achieve. So it's kind of a scattergun approach. It's just we need to get something done. Let's do something. So direct mail is sort of falling into one of those categories where you can't any longer just scattergun approach something out it's got to be part of an overall campaign process um, and that strategy really applies to any any media or any format um, with direct mail in particular what we're finding is that there are certainly certain industries which do better through direct mail than others but it again that's completely wide-ranging depending on what the message is so i was actually out with a customer yesterday who sells high-end mattresses yep. um, and they have done and I mean, they spend millions of dollars on, on marketing right across the board from social media marketing through direct mail, through the telecanvassing and everything else in between radio, TV, the works. Um, and what they find is that direct mail is the one that gets the one-on-one -on -one conversation happening the most. Yep. Um, so from social media, um, what were the stats that I said? I think for a $40,000 um, digital campaign, um, they will get a return on investment of about... Um, three dollars per per dollar spent with direct mail. It's around about nine or ten dollars per per dollar spent. So um, significantly different in in terms of the product and what they do. Yep. Um, for us in particular, most of our client base is um, real estate agents. Now, with real estate, their um, their product value is is very very high. So um, 
you know, the return on investment is quite easy for them to recoup because if they send out a thousand letters and get one response, that one response has the ability to pay for the entire campaign. Um, What a lot of businesses, I think, take the short sighted view of of is that they might send a thousand dollars worth of mail out, for example, they might only get one client come in or two clients come in that spend $150, but if they actually look at the lifetime value of those clients that they can afford the business plus the referrals, if they have the right, you know, email marketing follow-up campaigns in place, there's the ability to earn a much a much wider and greater amount from them. So yeah, so I'll come back to lifetime value and the and the cost of it because I think that's really important. Mm. But is there some stats, you know, rough ones of Australia wide? Uh, are we seeing? You know, like how many millions of letters are still being sent? Yeah, so it's still, I mean, in, in Australia overall, it's still over a billion letters a year are being sent. Um, so whilst there has been a, a massive decline in the number of letters, I think it's becoming more focused as businesses sort of understand the value of data um, and targeted um, marketing you know, overall. And things like Facebook have really brought that about as well because with Facebook campaigns, you can obviously, you know, categorize now you want to target people 18 to 55 in this specific location, Um, you know, and direct mail is basically doing the same thing. The the, the stronger the database, the better the response. So um, one of the stats I really like with direct mail is that I believe email open rates sit around about 20, 25%, something like that. Um, Direct mail open rate is 98%. Yeah. So the the open rate, which is obviously the, the first step one, is getting that brand awareness of getting your stuff seen, um, is very very high. And we might talk about that later too. The things that actually influence people to actually open that envelope. But yes, I was yeah. going to say like you know if you think I have to guess at how many emails I get a day, but it'd be less than five letters on a, on a day that I get. Absolutely. Um, so that's the other thing is I see that as people are sending less um, direct mail, less actual physical mail kind of the impact or the attention that it gets is actually increasing because to have a letter come across your desk now is, is different. That's right. All the emails it, you yeah, it's almost a novelty, novelty now to receive a, a newsletter in physical printed format. Yep. Um, and in, in the industry that we specialise in in real estate, we're certainly seeing that very heavily is, you know, um, I probably get three or four newsletters per week via email. Yep. Um, you know, but maybe only one you know, actual printed newsletter per month, for example. So it definitely has that cut-through value that people are looking for. Um, you know, and, and it's less of an interruption. What we're finding is that people, um, again, depending on industry and depending on, you know, the target audience, if you're trying to tout for business on Facebook or something like that, you're essentially interrupting someone's, um, you know, process that they're currently going through. So they might be chatting to a friend or looking for an update from, you know, a, a colleague or something like that on their, their information flow. With direct mail, it's being looked at in the comfort of their own home, in their own time, um, you know, or in their office when they sort of have allotted time to actually do that. So yep. um, we certainly see that, that a lot more. All right, we'll talk about costs as we get towards the end, but coming back to the things you raised about lifetime value and, and the... I guess the the transactional cost of that selling that item. So as you said, selling a you know an expensive bed, uh, cars, real estate, um, or for a, a, you know maybe like a lawyer or something like that, where there's a, a long maybe each individual transaction may not be large, but mm. over a period of time it comes back. And so that's why I think it, you're right. It doesn't necessarily work for every business, yeah. Especially if you've got a high ticket item um, or a high lifetime value, then yeah, working that. And the other place I see it working well is. If you, as you say, you have a targeted list, if, especially if you're a B2B, if you know the businesses you need to target, um, then 
you can send a letter straight to them. Whereas opposed to you trying to sell red shoes, in that instance, it's hard to identify who the who the interested target market or customer is going to be. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it depends on yeah what the product is in the market, but definitely if you can have a really tight idea of exactly who it is and you can actually mail it straight to them. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. And again, is that split between sort of understanding, you know, what you're actually sending your marketing out for? Is it for brand awareness? Is it for, um, you know, direct response that you're looking for customers to, to respond to something straight away? Yep. Um, you know, and there's, there's definitely different types of mail that needs to be sent um, to reflect that. Yep. You know, so so brand awareness campaigns are not going to be a heavy sell. They're not going to sort of be very intensive in terms of information. Um, whereas something where you want to get a response, you need to be able to answer any objections in that letter. Um, so that's where we sort of look at more of a multi-page um, letter rather than just a single-page flight. So. Yeah. And again, if you're listening, it really depends on, on what your business is. But if you're a small business, I'm going to suggest you look at the, the more sales letter direct response rather than trying to... You need uh, to maximise your bank for buck. Absolutely. If someone picks up your uh, mail letter and does nothing with it, then that's a... That's a big a, cost for you straight away. Yeah. They might know who you are, but if they haven't done anything, it's a, it's a cost. Mm. Uh, okay, so let's get into the nitty-gritty of, of how we go about it. So you've got a, a process that you run through. So can you describe that? Yeah, sure. So basically the, the way we see it is there's six fundamental steps um, to a direct mail campaign. And funnily enough, most of the steps apply to any marketing yep. campaign across the board. So uh, step one is, is the contacts. Um, so that's sort of either your own in-house database or procuring a list externally. Um, so where you might procure a list from will be someone like a list broker. Um, these guys basically specialize in, in acquiring data in a legal and ethical manner um, rather than sort of just skimming through white pages and copying data down. Uh, these guys work with major uh, credit and finance companies, uh, major councils and so on to actually compile lists. So what kind of lists can you order from? Like are they set ones you just go through a menu and choose, I'll have, you know, A, B and C or I'll have number 121? Yeah. Or can you go to them and say, I'm looking for these particular type of people, can you create a customer list for me? Yeah, absolutely. Look, that's that's where list brokers are really, really good. And look, there is certainly a, a cost attached to it. But if you understand that having the perfect database will, um, you know, benefit your business in so many different ways, you can you can literally go to a list broker. And I had a client once that only wanted to target homeowners over the age of fifty five um, that had waterfront properties. Yep. Um, so they were actually able to tailor a list that went through and selected those people that were homeowners that were over the age of fifty five and lived on the waterfront. Okay. Um, so you can be very, very specific in terms of the type of person or even business that you want to, you want to target. So from a B2B perspective, you can say you only want um, businesses with 25-plus employees um, you know, with an annual turnover of $2 million plus, um, and you can specify those things as well. So yeah. okay. um, one of the things to remember is obviously the more criteria you put in, the, the smaller the, the bucket becomes that you can actually select from. So, sure. um, you know, we've done it before where people sort of say, oh, I need um, thoroughbred racing um, masses who are based in the Brisbane area um, who own a boat, you know, and you end up 15 people. So yeah. that, that mailing list is still going to cost you hundreds of dollars because the amount of work that goes into actually profiling and selecting that data from different sources. So, Is, um, it, is it still a fairly manual process or is it fairly automated? Look, it's, it's one of those things I think it's a quite a tightly held secret as yeah, to how the list right. brokers actually get yeah. their information. Um, there is a fair amount of automation in it. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I guess, their, their, you know, their background. If you've got a good list broker who's been in the industry for a long time, 
they'll be able to sort of say, okay, you need a list of, of homeowners, I'll get that information from X. And if you need sort of, you know, demographic of, of age, I'll get that from, from here. Um, so they can pull it together a lot quicker. But It can give a range of prices. I know that's a hugely variable thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, generally between sort of three and $400 per thousand records um, is what you would expect to pay from a list broker. Yep. There's usually a setup fee of a couple of hundred dollars. Um, so it's not a it's not an inexpensive exercise, but it's something that can benefit you for a long time moving forward. So once you have that data and you form the relationship with those people, you know there there you are ideal client. So you're not necessarily putting stuff out there to everyone who isn't isn't your ideal client. You're, you're laser focusing on on who you're targeting. Okay, and that comes back to your previous point too. This is going to be a, a campaign. Necessarily, then maybe just a one-off thing. This is going to be a, a strategy. You want exactly. To and, and do multiple times. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, the, I would never recommend anyone take a direct mail campaign approach of just doing one mail out. Um, it needs to be something that's done over and over again. Um, one of my favorite studies at the moment is Google's Zero Moment of Truth. You've yeah. heard of that. Um, and it talks about the, the number of hours and the number of touch points that um, businesses need to make before someone is ready to make a purchasing decision. Um, so from memory, I think it's about seven hours worth of uh, content or thought process about a company and about 11 individual touch points. So, um, you know, s- sort of sending out a 5,000 letter mail out once and sitting back and waiting for the phone to ring isn't necessarily going to get you the results that you want. And, um, you know, you'd be a lot better off doing five times 1,000 letters yep. um, to the same person, slightly different content, um, just to sort of reinforce the message and, re- yeah, um, you know, sort of make sure they're getting that, that content and that. Because it could be a different message, or it could just be the different time. It might not be ready this week, but the next week it's they're ready to go. Absolutely, yeah. Look, I, I liken it to the um, you know to, to the mattress scenario. People buy a bed maybe once every ten or fifteen years, but the mattress companies will put their brochure in your letterbox every single week because they know eventually at some point someone's going to need to buy a mattress and the mattress brochure's there. The one week they decide not to put that mattress brochure in there will be the one week that person decides to buy a mattress. So you've got to stay top of mind as well. All right, so that's, we've got a, a group of people who want to mail. We, yeah, so, so we've got the contacts sorted out. So the next that, that stage... That could be an internal list too. That could just be purely a past customer or a dump from your accounting Absolutely. software. Or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm a massive fan of, of sort of, you know, using direct mail to promote new products or services to an existing client database or even just to keep them up to date as an additional touch point. Um, I was told recently um, by one of our mentors... Um, that a survey had recently been done of customers who had left a business. Now, this was uh, B2C. Um, about 65% of those people that had left a business and moved to another service um, was due to perceived indifference. Yeah, same, same figure I've heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, essentially... So not, not due to cost, not due to anything else. It's just... Just we didn't... Didn't hear from them. Yeah, we didn't hear from them. We didn't think they really cared. So, you know, we, we, we just moved on. So it's for, to lose 65% of your customers purely because of perceived indifference, something very, very easy to fix. Um, so yeah, once you've got your, your database, whether it's, whether it's a cold list, um, you know, of, of new prospective clients, if it's your existing, um, customer base, um, or maybe one that you've procured, whatever the option is, the next stage is to get your, um, what we call the content. Um, so this is actually the, the, the copy, um, of the letter. So before we actually start looking at any graphics, any, you know, pictures, images or anything like that, what we want to get clear on is the message. So, um, what is it you actually want to achieve from the mail out? So what's the outcome? What's the message you want to deliver? Um, and what's the carrot that you want to dangle? So if it is when we go back to talking about the direct response mail rather than sort of just the brand awareness, what is it that people are going to be um, 
picking up the phone for right now to, to make a call. What is it they have to, you know, they can't do without. Yep. So, um, so that's the, that's the content side of things. Um, we try and recommend people use a copywriter um, because whilst internally you'll know your business very, very well, you won't necessarily know how to word that in a way that, um, you know, translates to what your customers are looking to read. So especially from a cold list, um, you'll probably have a better idea if it's an existing customer list as to, you know, how they've interacted with you, what their expectations are, the kind of things that they like and don't like. But from a cold list, um, absolutely I'd recommend sort of speaking to a copywriter. And again, that's adding a uh, you know a one-off cost to get that copyright and, and a letter written. Yes, come back to the fact that it's going to be an ongoing thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. One of my clients who's a business broker, um, he had a, a letter copy written for him about four or five years ago. Um, he still uses it to this day. He's tweaked it ever so slightly over time, um, but the nuts and bolts of it are exactly the same. Um, and that that letter generates him hundreds of thousands of dollars um, worth of worth of business um, every year. So. Um, it's one of those things that he may have spent five or six hundred dollars getting that done, but it's paid for itself many times over. Um, and it, it, it's again just sort of understanding where your strengths lie. I mean, if you are a wordsmith and or you're you're a copywriter by trade, obviously you'll already have those skills. But if you're a small business that is, you know. Um, running a plumbing business or an electrical contractor or something like that. Yeah, it's a completely different skill. It's, um, you know, the same as you had an apprenticeship for someone to do the plumbing or electrician. These folks, you know, that's what they do full-time is they write. Absolutely, yes, yeah. So so content is is very, very important. A lot of people put focus on the, the creative and the, the eye-catchiness of the letter before worrying about the content. Um, the, the, the creative is certainly important. It's what sort of gets the person to start reading the words, but... If the words aren't there, the creative can't, you know, can't push anyone to action. You know, an image isn't going to cause somebody to pick up the phone and buy. There needs to be something in, in that, you know, content that causes that, that action to happen. Okay, so list, we've got our, our guts of it or our material on a mail. Yep. Um, so the creative would be the next step. So that's actually then pulling in your uh, corporate branding. Um, it's pulling in the images. It's sort of, you know, refining the text and actually laying it out in a way that is you know, appealing to the eye and also suits your branding and, and what you want to achieve from the mail as well. So, um, again, you, you can find specialists in each of these areas. It can obviously add up to quite a cost. But, again, it's something that once you've got a template in place for of, of a design, it's then very easy just to replicate that, especially when we're talking about things like newsletters. Um, you know, once you've got a newsletter template, take one text out, put new text in, job's done. So yeah, they've already got... Um stationary for the business in many cases all that letterhead type thing or the branding will already been done yeah exactly so all you're talking about then is you know a couple of hours worth of design to actually put together um you know a, a flyer or a marketing piece or whatever it might be that you're trying to achieve at that time um yeah so so that's the that's the creative and i always say that has to follow the the content if you start doing the creative and then try and fit the content around it your message will guarantee get lost you have to have your your content down pat and sure. then you work on making it look you know bright and fuzzy and, and warm and all those all those nice things yeah all right so after that yep so once we've gone through um, those those three steps losing count here um, so the next step is to actually um, circulate so it's actually getting getting the, the letters out there. So this is where you start working with um, either in-house or externally, um, your printers, getting your envelopes ready, working out what you want on, on that side of things, um, and getting them distributed. Um, so 
that's that's our speciality. We sort of obviously specialize in getting things from the digital, printing it, folding it, stuffing it in the envelopes and, and getting it out the door. Perfect. Okay, so if we can pause on this step, because I've got a heap of questions around this one. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of machines right at the start. Uh, yes. Which you were selling before you got into this. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if someone's thinking at home, thinking, okay, I'm going to send you a thousand letters, it's a yeah. thousand stamps to lick, a thousand letters to fold, to put into envelopes, seal up. Yeah. So what does that actually look like in a, in a mailing house? Yeah, so definitely two very different processes. I mean, you know, from, from a cost perspective as a small business, you've got to watch your costs. And, and that might mean as you as you sort of first foray into direct mail, you might decide to take this element on yourself. Um, I would still recommend getting everything professionally printed because nothing looks worse than sort of printing it on your, your home inkjet printer um, and it not sort of looking fantastic when you put all the work in, in everywhere, everywhere else. And I guess like it'd be silly to save a couple of cents there when the overall process is spent a couple of hundred dollars in least you know, the other bits and pieces. Exactly. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So, so you know, professional printing really is a must. I mean, you know, very similar to business cards and stationery, you know, you wouldn't necessarily hand over a, a business cards that you've printed out of your inkjet printer. Um, so make sure that your marketing sort of says the same thing. Um, so in terms of machinery that we would work with, so we use what are called folding and inserting machines. What that basically does is take a flat sheet of paper, um, it tri-folds it, so it folds it into three, which is what we call DL size, it then stuffs it into the envelope, it licks the envelope, seals the envelope and spits it out the other side. Um, the other machine we use is, is called an address printer. And what that actually does is it digitally prints the address onto the front of the envelope. So we don't use sticky labels or anything like that. We just print directly onto the face of the envelope. Um, similarly, at that same point of the process, we can add things like teasers um, on the envelope. So um, a, a teaser is essentially, um, I guess, like a bit of a, a sort of, a message as to what what's within inside the envelope. So, so it's almost like custom envelope. So you're printing on the outside of the envelope. Yes. And the ones I see really affected there is like a you know like it looks like it's handwritten or yes yeah like a cursive type font. Yeah, exactly. And what it might sort of say is, um, you know, for example, um, you know, free gift card inside or something like that, or or you know, um, enter the competition by X Y Z date. Um, you know, something like that. So it basically just sort of enhances what the content actually is. So And so what you're pushing to increase your open rate. And yes. also if, if there's a bunch of letters on the table, that that's going to look different to the other. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So just, you know, most envelopes will look, look, look very generic. You know, A&Z looks the same as Westpac. You know, they've got different logos, but you all know what it is. So when you get an envelope that sort of stands out a bit because it has a cursive font or it has sort of, you know, a big red bold message at the top saying open me immediately, um, you know, those are the kind of things that make it stand out and people go, okay, we better pay attention to that and work out what it is. So, Okay, stamps. Um, yeah, what are the options as far as prepaid? and, and Yes, and yeah. So the, there's a few options. So Australia Post do provide um, what, they, what they call a prepaid envelope. So that is basically you go in and you buy an envelope from Australia Post and it already has the stamp printed on the envelope. Um, so that's sort of option one. You pay obviously a premium because the envelope is through Australia Post and they're, they're profiting from that, from that service. Um, the second option is you just buy a generic envelope um, and then you buy a roll of stamps from Australia Post. So you can, if you were doing a big man up, they come in um, rolls of 200 um, and they are self-adhesive. Self so it's still a manual process of applying stamps. Stamps no machine that does that. That's right, yeah, yeah. So there is no machine that actually puts the stamps on, on the letters. Um, we're sort of investigating because we do have a couple of customers that have a higher response rate from putting a manual stamp on the letter as opposed to having it, which is the third option, which is to have the postage paid Australia logo. Yeah. So, and is that stamped on 
a plain envelope, the postage paid? Yes. Yeah. Now, people often get confused with the postage paid thinking that that is prepaid. All the postage paid does is it means that you're paying for that service directly with Australia Post. So rather than handing over cash to pay for a stamp, you would take your letters to Australia Post with postage paid printed on the envelope, and then you pay for all the letters at that point. So rather than having to pay for the stamps, taking them away, doing the process, you can just have your postage paid envelopes and then send them that way. Okay, Australia Post then stamps it at their end to give it a, on the officials. That That's right, yeah, for the can, what they call the cancellation, which means that it's, it's cancelled out, so okay. it's been used. Um, that's that's something that as well that um, often you'll have to buy the envelopes either from like an envelope supplier because obviously there's printing on, on that envelope that needs to take place beforehand. So, all right. So sticking to the envelopes then, um, the you often get the ones with the, the clear plastic window where you look through and see the address on the inside, yep. as opposed to being printed on the outside. Uh, any experience with those, one way or the other? Or good yeah. Look, it's it's one of those things that the whole um, the whole look and feel of, of a direct mail piece can can vary so much depending on who the target audience is, what the industry is, and so forth. So it's one of those things when we talk about test and measuring um, that becomes really really important um, because. We've got one client, our, our business broker, who I mentioned before. He went from using a window-faced envelope, uh, sorry, from using a plain-faced envelope with the address printed on the envelope to using a window-faced envelope. That's the only change he made in his entire process, and his response rate dropped by about thirty percent. So it got worse. It got worse. Yeah. Yeah, because without no testing, I'm just trying to think in my own mail. I get, and, yeah. and the ones at the window would probably be more likely a bill or what well, I don't know because you kind of got to open the bills, but. And this yeah. this is the, the, the sort of point of conjecture is that there's one chain of thought that says your mail needs to stand out to be noticed. The other line of thinking is that if your mail stands out, people automatically recognize it as marketing because ANZ aren't going to send you a letter in a bright yellow envelope with, you know, branching all over it. So people look at that and go, okay, well, that's marketing, bin. The, the other chain of thought is that if you have your letter looking very generic in a window-faced envelope, very corporate, if undelivered, return to PO box, blah, blah, blah on it, people think it's a bill. So the chances are much greater that they're going to open it because that's what you do when you receive a bill. Yep. Some people say, oh, but, but you know, some people won't open bills. And so, you know, generally say, well, if, if your customers don't open their bills, are they really someone that you want to deal with in the first place? <laughs> Fair enough. You know, yeah. so there's two chains of thoughts and both have their positives and negatives. Um, again, it's something you have to test and work out what works for you and what doesn't. Um, you know, campaigns can can you know win win and lose based on very very small changes. Um, again, I've got another client who's in real estate who um, did a fifty fifty split on their their mail. One lot they put stamps on, the other ones they use postage paid. The ones with the stamps on, I think it was about one hundred and fifty percent higher response rate than those that didn't have stamps on. Yeah, Everything else the same, just just stamp. You know, so again, it's just those little things, little changes that you have to work out. Now, um, it, that was um, B2B, but in B2C, you might find that that doesn't work the same. You know, so you've got to test those things out to work out what does and what doesn't work. Okay, uh, paper weight. Any difference you found with different weights of paper or would you suggest a, a paper weight to use? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's funny because um, there, there's a lot of people out there that want to use... Um, very thin paper, black and white printing. Um, there's a very famous guy in um, direct mail called Dan Kennedy, um, and he is all about um, basically a multi-page document. Multi-page documents scare the hell out of most businesses because, you know, if it's five pages of, of mainly text, no fluffy images or anything like that, just text, they look at it and go, there's no way anyone's going to read that. 
But the the point is, if you if you've got an engaging enough message to start with, people yeah, start the asking right, questions. The right person, if they're interested, in absolutely, read the last, yeah. Like, and what they want to see is they want to see testimonies. They want to understand why this is a great product. They want to question and answer section. You know, because when they're reading that letter, you need to answer the objections that that, that person is thinking of in their head. So the multiple le- multiple page letter, whilst it scares some people, and they go, oh, "There's no way in the world anyone would read that." You can't necessarily think about direct mail as you would receive it yourself because how people out there receive it is completely different. Um, so pa- going back to paperweight, um, Dan Kennedy is a big fan of very thin paper, multiple pages stapled together. Um, so it almost becomes like a lumpy mail process, um, which I know we'll, we'll talk about a bit more in detail. Um, on the other side of things, if you are a more premium service or your product is more premium, your clientele are not necessarily going to want to receive something on cheap paper um, that's in black and white only and clearly looks quite quite cheaply produced. So it's got a mixing with your whole brand. Exactly <laughs> right. Yes. Like. Yeah. I mean, if you're somebody that is, for example, an ele- electrician, but you're uh, guaranteed to be the lowest price, people might sort of be more inclined to sort of be receptive to um, a basic lesson because they know that you're saving on costs and therefore passing that on to them. Yeah. If you are, you know, the elite electrical um, and you're, you know, you're dealing with the homes out at Newport, for example, that are on the canal, two, three million dollars. Um, you know, and you have an entire process where you go and you take your shoes off, you clean up after yourself, but it's a premium service. Then you're going to want the thicker stock, you know, glossy paper, um, you know, that sort of really holds its own weight. So generally, um, letterheads are generally printed on 100 gram um, paper. Most flyers are on 150 gram, um, and most sort of DL cards or, or, or postcard type is around 300 gram. Yeah. Uh, and then your business cards tend to be 350 to 400 gram. Oh. Um, so that's that's the sort of circulation and, and the, the the printing side of things. Um, from there, we move on to follow up, um, and this is probably this uh, step five is is follow up, and it's probably the the least practiced step of all is people um, do the same across the board in, in any marketing um, activity is they, they execute the, the marketing activity they're going to do, so the direct mail, for example, and mess it back and wait for the phone to ring. They do no, no follow-up. There's no additional contact. Um, it's just sort of it's just waiting for the phone to ring. So we're really sort of big on making sure that people follow up. So if you've got the phone numbers, make a phone call. Did you receive the letter? Can I give you some more information? What else would you like to know? How can we proceed to the next step? What what didn't you like about it? And so on and so forth. And have you got rough um, percentages there of the, the amount of difference that the follow-up makes? Yeah, look, it, it sort of goes from, so, you know, with direct mail, it can be anywhere between sort of a 1% and 2% response rate just by sending the letter and sitting back and waiting. By following it up with a phone call, it moves up to about 9 to 10%. So it's, it's quite a quite a huge jump just to pick up the phone and, and have a conversation with that person. And obviously what you're doing there is not necessarily sort of just, are you looking to buy right now? You know, is there an email address I can send you further information on so you can book, pull them into your funnel um, and start to work with them on an, you know, on another medium, which is more, you know, which is a lot cheaper to use. But, you know, what we tend to find is that if you get that permission first, rather than just spamming an email, oh, yeah. if people are expecting an email from you, the chances are they're going to read it. So if you sent a letter, you follow up with a phone call, somebody said, look, I'm not looking right now, but happy to be kept up to date. Here's my email address. You know, absolutely, then you can move on to email and make that your sort of focal point of contact. Um, so follow-up is, is really, really key in a, in a campaign. Um, and the final step is is what we call a conclusion. So this is where you, you actually sit down and review your entire direct mail campaign and you look at what worked, what didn't work, um, 
what you can test and change for next time. Um, so one of the big mistakes we see when people sort of review a campaign is they sit down and go, I didn't work. Next time we'll try something completely different. Yeah. And they change the database, they change the copy, they change the look of the letter, they change everything. So each time everything's changing, you can't narrow it yeah. down. Yeah, and what they'll do is go, oh, well, that one worked. But you don't actually know what it was that didn't work and what did work. So every time you then make a change, the whole thing's going to fall apart. So whilst it's a, it's a more expensive exercise, it's very important to try and just change one thing at a time. And that's why, as I said earlier, you know, if you move from doing one mail out of 5,000 to doing five mail outs of 1,000, you can do that test and measure and work out what, what, you know, what is better. Um, we've got one client that actually used to use um, reply paid envelopes. So he was sending out like a survey, essentially, and the idea was they had to fill in the survey, put it in the reply paid envelope and send it back. He found that his response rate was actually better when he took the reply paid envelope away. People actually went and purchased the stamp. The reply paid envelope is free. Yeah. People went purchased a stamp and an envelope, wrote the details on it and sent it back and he gets a higher response rate because of that by not having that in there. Yeah, that's really counterintuitive. That's what all these things are. Absolutely, counterintuitive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because you would think that the easier you make it for somebody, the higher the response that you're going to get. Yep. But at the same time, there's a there's a high level of investment that someone has to make into it to actually go to the post office, get a stamp, send the letter and send it back. So your quality of response is going to be that much better than someone that just goes, well, reply paid, don't care. And as far as split testing, would you recommend like you know two different one three hundred numbers if you're running two different copies? What, what's an easy way for people to, to measure that? Yeah, definitely. Look, if you have the ability to do two different telephone numbers, great. Um, even two different email response rates. If you're sort of getting a response by email, that can work very well too. Um, and obviously, it's cost effective. Um, even down to just actually you know having a um, sort of reference number on the letter. Um, so or you know, a coupon code. So you know, coupon code, yeah. Perfect. So Dell, I haven't seen TV soon for ages, but on the back page, we always would have, yeah, you know, the different coupon code. That's right. Yes, yeah, and that can be just as simple as you know, for example, in November now, so it can be November two thousand fourteen A, and then November two thousand fourteen B, yeah. and all you do is when somebody comes in with that coupon or, or whatever it is, take a note of it, record it down, so you can then compare one with the other. Um, <clears throat> again, it's just really important to make sure that every other aspect of your campaign is the same. Um, you know, so for example, what you don't want to do is say, okay, well, I'll send a thousand letters here in Redcliffe with, with coupon A, and I'll send a thousand letters in Brisbane with coupon B, because you've actually got a completely different demographic than in Brisbane to you do here in Redcliffe, so your response rates are likely to be different anyway. Yeah, so you better 500 each. Each. Yeah. Exactly right, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, split testing is very important, and you can do it as you go along. You don't have to sort of do one entire campaign. You can actually say, okay, well, look, I might do... So you've got 10,000, send 1,000 of each, yep. and the winning one send to the remaining 8,000. That's it. That, that essentially becomes your control document. And so if that's the winning one, you go, okay, that's my control document. Now I just change one thing at a time for each campaign. So you might change the header and nothing else, leave everything else the same. You might change the image that you use. You might change the offer that you use, but try not to do too many changes all at the same time. Carl, this is all wrapping around because I guess after you know step six, you then go back to step one and repeat. Exactly right. It's but a cycle process. Yeah, the thing that's coming out is it's definitely not a one shot. This is a okay. We're going to do direct direct mail for the next year or two years. And exactly. Yeah, part of our marketing strategy long term. Yes. It's not yeah. a 
hey, look, we haven't done a direct mail for a while. Let's crack out a, a direct mail piece. Yeah, that's right. And then back off again. Yeah. So it, it, ideally what you want to do is sit down at the beginning of the year and work out what you can budget for direct mail for the whole year and then divide that over the, the period and work out how many letters you can send on a, on a monthly basis, weekly basis, whatever campaign cycle you want to use. Um, and that you, you're comfortable with and you can actually keep up with. But, yeah, I, I would much rather see businesses do that over a period of time rather than just say, okay, well, I've got $5,000 to spend on, on direct mail. Let's just whack it all out at once and forget about it and wait for the phone to start ringing. All right, let's just quickly go through. Let me see any questions here. I think we've covered most of the ones I had. Uh, lumpy mail, let's talk about um, lumpy mail. So you yes. can describe that concept. Yeah, so, so the idea of lumpy mail is that probably around 90% of the mail that you get through your letterbox is a, a DL size, which is one-third of, of an A4. It's DL size, single sheet in the envelope. Um, and the reason for that is it's most efficient, it's the easiest to process, and it's the most cost-effective as well. What is uh, becoming quite a, quite a good trend is that people are using what we call lumpy mail. So that's where the envelope that's being received um, is, is different from everything else that's in there. So again, this is about standing out from the norm. So one way of doing lumpy mail is to do multiple pages, um, just because the very nature of folding multiple pages together makes the envelope thicker. Thicker, yeah. Um, you know, so that stands out. Other companies um, will do like C5 envelopes, which is like a half A4. Um, so again, just that different size um, that, that comes through makes it stand out. We recently did a campaign for um, one client and their campaign was called Have You Lost Your Marbles? And what they actually did was every envelope, we put two marbles, marbles yeah. in the envelope. I said key rings or a pen or something, as you said, just to that's hold right. it lumpy. It's, it's not a flat envelope. Or it's, it's, it has some... Exactly, yes. Yeah. curiosity so, factor of... That's it, yeah. What, what's, what is it? There's some filling in here. I better open up and find out what it is. So um, it, it's a double-edged sword with lumpy mail. It, it definitely sort of gains a higher response level because it is sort of quirky. It does make it get open. People pay attention. They want to find out what the link is. So, you know, they open the envelope, these marbles roll out. Roll out. What's, what's these, that marbles about? So then they read the letter to find out why they've just had two marbles roll on the floor. Um, the downside to it is that it can be a, a quite expensive process to go through. Um, you know, you're generally looking at higher postage costs because the envelope is thicker. So, so, Australia Post so on that one, if you were sending like a one-page letter with two marbles in the envelope, <clears> that get through Australia Post on a standard stamp? Generally not because Australia Post um, work on thickness as well as weight. So as soon as the envelope is over five millimetres thick, it can't go through their standard processing machine, so it has to then be manually processed. So then they charge more for it, so it becomes a large letter. Um, so you're sort of going from postage of 70 cents for, for a single stamp to $1.40 for that letter. So <clears throat> again, it depends on your target audience. We actually had one client who was selling um, high-end cruises. So these cruises value like $20,000, $25,000. Yeah. And what he actually wanted to do was send a, an A3 poster um, of the cruise ship, You know, and it actually had detailed all of the different... Um, parts of the ship and what went on there and all the inclusions and he was sending them in you know like the art tubes oh the round tubes yeah yeah, yeah yeah and he was sending those out so his cost per letter was something around about $14 uh, so it was huge but he had spent I think about three or $4,000 on, on a list of executive CEOs yeah CEOs so, talking to yeah so these people were earning $250,000 plus trying to calculate the, the commission on a $20,000 cruise <clears> and the <throat> need to exactly to yes yeah, okay. yeah so yeah it comes back to you knowing your numbers that's right absolutely uh, uh, we we spoke about direct response, but I guess just quickly, that's when people pick up the paper or the letter or whatever it is and have to, you know, compel to take action on it straight away. So it's call, book, yes. free in the coupon. That's something, right, something. yeah. 
uh, as opposed to just making people aware of something and, and, and the branding. That's right, yeah. Look, as, as a small business, I would always suggest people avoid doing marketing for the purposes of branding um, because it's such an unmeasurable thing. You know, you can whack your, your, your face on the side of a bus for, I think, about $5,000 for a year. Um, and, and, you know, that's essentially branding because you're hoping that people see that and over time they'll see it again and again and again and they might sort of eventually call you. It's funny because you're, I mean, you're, we'll talk about niching down at the moment, but, you know, niching down to the real estate industry, real estate, like, that's the, the big thing is have your face everywhere. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is they can afford to do it because it's part of an overall um, strategy. You know, so they're on the back of the bus, they're on the bus boards, they're in your letterbox every second week. It's part of an overall strategy, but for a small business spending 5000 bucks to get your face on the side of a bus, if you're getting no leads coming through from that, that's an expensive exercise. It might work over the course of five years or so, and that's why, you know, you might see some of the hotel chains doing it or some of the supermarkets because it's part of an overall brand strategy. But as an individual business, what you need is people coming through your door. Um, so direct response is all about getting them to do that. So generally you have what we call a call to action, um, which is something that c- compels the person to pick up the phone, come into your store, take action straight away. So ideally it will be something that's um, low cost but high value. Um, well, the great ones like your local mechanics, you know, some kind of bring the letter in or call now and you get you know, whatever the discount is off your, off your car. That's right. Like yeah, that. yeah. Or you sort of, you know, you have a free 100-point safety inspection check or, or something along those lines. That's and, and valid, you know, maybe 15 days in the future or the end of the month or something. You know, exactly, so, yes. Some kind of... Um, uh, scarcity or constraint. That's right. Know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, putting putting that constraint around the time frame, um, it keeps it measurable. It means that you get your response straight away, so you can work out what is and isn't working. Um, you know, and, and similarly, those coupons can allow you to test and measure with pricing as well. You know, so you can play with a ninety nine dollar service package versus one hundred forty nine dollar service package. The cheaper one doesn't necessarily get more response. What people are looking for is more value. So if they see more value in the one forty nine package, that's probably where they're going to be where they're going to be going. So um, direct response for me as as a small business owner is certainly what you sort of want to be focusing on rather than um, you know here's here's our mechanics. This is what we do. Here's the services that we offer. You know, contact details, and that's it. There's no call to action. There's no urgency there. People aren't going to, you know, people are inherently lazy, unfortunately. They're not going to pick up the phone and do something unless you happen to catch them just at the time when they need to service the car. So, yeah, which is <laughs> hit and miss. So. Absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah. So, no, I very agree with all that. Um, the, okay, so the other question here was flies and leaflet drops first direct mail. Is there a, a cutover point? Is there a, you know, is there a reason you'd say, no, look, I don't think you should do direct mail for that one. I think you'd be better off with a flyer drop. Uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, the, the, the whole idea behind direct mail is that it's personalised. Um, you know, so if you're wanting to just basically canvas a suburb, letterbox drops are perfect for that. So the reason that real estate agents do it is because generally they don't niche. They don't sort of sell. We only sell apartments in you know, on the waterfront, for example, they're happy to, to sell any property for anyone. So letterbox dropping works quite well for them. It is it is cost effective um, in terms of the, the actual outlay is, is quite insignificant. Because it's more a geographic thing too. Like if you're, if you're targeting Redcliffe or Scarborough or an area, then that works. Yes. Whereas, yeah. as you said, if you go back to buying a list, and, and, yeah, where it's going to be... You know, more more based on the demographic. Yes, yeah, that's it. And again, look, it's you know, using the mechanic situation for example. Let's say you're a mechanic that specialised in um, European cars, 
letterbox dropping wouldn't necessarily work for you because you're dropping to everyone who owns a Hyundai, a Toyota, or whatever. Whereas if you were to procure a list of people that owned European cars, you're actually then, you know, dollar for dollar, you're spending better time and money. Um, and let's be honest, that's that's generally where people lose lose focus is on time. You know, they say, oh, well, it's cheaper for me to do this than it is to pay somebody to do it, but it takes them five hours longer than it would. You know, that's five hours that they're never going to get back. So, um, but yeah, letterbox dropping is, is good for when you're sort of doing a geographic location. It also tends to be an issue because it gets mixed in with all of the other junk mail that gets sent out. So um, what, what we see a lot of the times is, you know, your Bunnings brochures, your Audi catalogues, your Coles brochures, they all bombard the letterboxes. Um, you've also got the issue that a number of people have no junk mail signs on their letterboxes as well. So it's very hard to justifiably put your flyer in an envelope that has no junk mail written on it. So um, direct mail, you've, you've got their personal details through a legitimate source. You've got permission to, to mail it to them. It's also a more, more personal one-to-one conversation as well. So quickly you were talking about your book because you've written a book here but just as you were talking I wrote down uh, Light and Easy uh, Light and Easy are really interesting because they do obviously a lot of direct mail yep. but if they also do your email address they'll email the same day the envelope arrives or maybe it's the day after yes so they're yeah. using as you said like the follow up and again it's automated yeah yeah using it's that integration, channels. absolutely. Yeah, it's just integrated marketing. So yeah. you'd be guaranteed that yeah, you know, a day or two or really on the same day, the, the letter turns up in your email box. Yeah, sorry, in your, in your, in your physical box. Yeah, you know, as a letter, you also get the, the email as well. So that's, that's right. Only, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the only one I've come across that, that does that, just from personal experience. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's really disappointing that more people don't take advantage of of that integrated marketing um, ability, um, because like you say, email now is so. Um, cheap, it's fast, it's efficient to actually sort of, you know, ride on the back of that, like you say. Some people will receive the email and will, will read it. There's 25% of people that will open it. If those 25% of people then get the letter in their, their letterbox, which 98% of people open, there's two touch points within a day. That, that Straight away, it's that sort of recognition, you know, so you've got your call to action, but brand recognition is happening as well. So we also sort of talk about... Um, in, in the book that, that I've written about integration. Yeah, so let's talk about the book here. So what's the book called? Yeah, so it's called Alpha Mail. Um, and it is specifically designed for real estate. It's about how to list and sell more property using direct mail. But the principle is essentially a framework of how to use, how to use direct mail. So whilst it's real estate specific, the, the fundamentals in there are all exactly the same. One of the things we talk about there is about integrating your marketing platforms. So that's about things like, you know, if you're sending out something relating to a special offer, a community event or something like that, make sure all your other platforms are actually talking about that too. So many people will send out a special offer via direct mail or something like that, and then you go to the website, there's no reference to it whatsoever. And it just falls over because people now will get a letter in the mail or a leaflet in the letterbox or whatever. They'll go and jump online and they'll Google you to find out who you are, what you're about. If you know, you're talking about a community event or a special offer, they jump on your website and they can't find it, you know, straight away your your you know, your your strength of brand is, is falling over because your message is not consistent across the board. So um, integrated marketing is really, really important. 
Um, and on the flip side, a lot of people are now starting to try and use direct mail to push their online activities. So things like personalized URLs, QR codes are being used in direct mail to sort of push people into their online space where they can get more content, YouTube videos and things like that as well. Yeah, and it gets cheaper too if you don't spend the money on the front end to get them in the funnel through direct mail. And exactly. The, the yellow methods of following up that way too. That's right, that's right, yeah, definitely. Okay, is there, well, how can folks get a copy of your book? Is it going to be on Amazon anytime soon? Or is it going to be- uh, yes, yeah, so we're going through that process. So the, the printed, uh, it's at the printed at the moment, so we'll have those back um, at the beginning of December. Um, and it's just basically being uploaded to Amazon at the moment, so it'll probably be available in the next 24 hours, I would say, funnily enough. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, if you're listening and you like this sort of direct mail stuff and we're going to dig deeper, then, uh, yeah, you look up for Carl's book, so Alpha Mail on, uh, on Amazon. Or come in here at... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just pop in and take it out. Yeah. Get the coffee. Uh, okay, so, uh, look, I think we've probably gone there. I was going to quickly talk about... And it was made really quick about your own marketing for your own business. So yeah. uh, I know you're in a lot of different forums and networking and things like that. So uh, we just want to quickly talk about um, you know, networking things that you're doing other than direct mail for your own uh, advertising. Yeah, sure. Uh, marketing. And I guess maybe just talk about quickly about the live chat on the website with the, you know, what response you get from your live Yeah, definitely. No problem at all. Yeah, so um, with our company, Agent Mail, we, do, we specialize and we spend basically all of our marketing dollars on real estate. Um, so sort of targeting the real estate industry. It's quite an interesting um, dynamic of trying to market to real estate agents, being that they are prolific marketers themselves, trying to get a message through that actually hits the mark is very difficult. So the one reason that um, we decided to write the book was basically to provide a different touch point for them they wouldn't sort of normally see. So it's it's our lumpy mail, essentially. The book is our lumpy mail. So once we actually get this book, we, we've got a 1,000 copies being printed. Our aim is basically to get those padded jiffy bag envelopes and we'll be mailing those out to real estate agents um, you know with a personalized note on it that says you know we think you'd enjoy um, this read let us know if we can be of any any assistance so it just it, it's something different again from a standard letter which is what they're used to seeing um, it sort of sets it apart the other thing we're sort of using that for is leverage to get along to conferences so real estate have uh, I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of conferences every year I mean they've got conferences for conferences so what we want to do is be as much a part of that as possible so the book kind of gives us the ability to go to the conference organizers and say, look, we've got something to talk about. We've got something that the agents want to hear. Um, here's the book. Have a read of it. If you'd like us to speak on the day, we're happy to do so. Um, so that's where our marketing is, is focused at the moment is sort of just getting ourselves more and more in front of real estate agents. Um, with our website, um, you mentioned that we've got the live chat um, function on there, um, which is by a company called ClickDesk. Um, and that's great. I, I, I can't tell you how many clients we've literally signed up just by having that facility there. And they've actually said to us, the reason we went with you is because we could get an answer straight away. Um, and I can't remember what book it was, but there's, there's a book out there which sort of says that being first is sometimes all you need to do. You know, so people have the intention of ringing around to get quotes and everything else, but it becomes very difficult very quick in almost all industries. So yeah, people, it's called uh, satisfying or something like that. Once you get a solution that's kind of fits most of the, the things. That's right, yeah. Uh, you you know, keep <clears throat> using time or resources to get a, a slightly better solution or you can just go with the... Exactly, uh, yeah. So the live chat has really allowed us for, for, for our industry, we're not often just talking with the decision maker who's the principal of the office, quite often it'll be delegated to the app in person to go away and do the research and find out what's going on. So they'll jump on their computer, the live chat pops up and says, you know, if you have any questions, let us know. 
they type away their question, we're there, we answer it. It's actually linked through to my mobile, so even when I'm not in the office, I can respond via live chat on my mobile. Um, and they get their answers that they need straight away. They, you know, they can ask questions, they can find out pricing. You know, most of our pricing is available on our website. We don't hide behind that. We don't sort of make people find out for a quote. Everything yeah. is there. Um, but they can ask questions about turnaround times and all that sort of thing. Um, and I've had people that sort of say, you know, where, where can I email my database to? How quickly can we get this done? Um, I would say in the thousands of dollars a year we make from having that live chat on our website. Yeah, so, I've heard that echoed by, by other people. Like yeah, well. yeah, absolutely recommend. I think we pay, might be a, it might be as much as $100 a year, I think, that we pay for the pro version yeah, of well, it. I'm using Zopim, Z-O-P-I-M.com, and again, it's got a free level. But yeah, yeah. there are quite a few different services out there. Yeah, yeah, and you can, you know, there's, there's sort of reports in the background that, that can sort of show you you know, when, when the calls came in, how long the duration was, all those sorts of things, you know, whereabouts they were even based, like what IP um, they came in th- from. Um, yeah, I really can't sort of rate it enough for, for any business. Are you, taking, are you taking the questions they ask on live chat and then using that elsewhere in your business? You like I wish I was intelligent enough to do that. It's oh, one of the things... Yeah, you're taking yeah, yeah. Your one, one of the things that... Um, that we have with our website in in the making is as we're revamping it um, is a is a one you know is a mail one hundred and one section so that's been built in the background at the moment and that is all sort of about answering questions that we get all the time and even questions that we get you know just sporadically and actually having answers there for it as well so are you going to feature the book on the on the website as well you because I'm just thinking like again if you're comparing. You know, Marhouse's boom boom boom. Yes. Yeah. To then have one which has you know uh, you know authored. Uh, yeah. Book, blah, blah, blah. Look, it's one of those things that I've, I've sort of really um, struggled with as, as to whether to sort of feature it on agent mail. I mean, we've obviously, um, you know, we're in the process of setting up a, a website for kylequested.com, um, and that's where the book will be sort of sold. So I'm, I guess I'm trying to remove myself as yeah. agent mail and be sort of a figurehead in my own right from a direct mail perspective so that the two don't get. Um, too intermingled so yep. I want to be able to be seen as impartial not necessarily spruiking my wares yeah, if that okay. makes sense yeah, yeah. Um, you know so people I mean I blog on, on our website and it's all it's all from me you know it's all from Kyle Quested and, and that's all visible so people know who I am but I kind of want to try and keep some level of separation so that the information that I'm putting out there is um you know, is without compromise. It, it's not sort of steered so towards. So like you've got a certain process in house that you, you know, then push and build towards. Exactly. Yeah, I want people to feel. And the whole idea of the book is that all the information in there can be implemented without touching a mailhouse. Yep. So the whole idea is that take the book, read it, implement it yourself. You know, go go forth and, and mail. Um, if you want to use our services, obviously we're there to help you. But we don't want that to be the fundamental reason behind the book being so. Perfect. Yeah. All right, any questions about direct mail that I haven't asked you that we should cover? Um, probably cost. I think we should probably touch on. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah, sort of mentioned it a couple of times. So um, Australia Post at the moment are charging $0.70 cents, um, for, for a postage stamp. Um, in terms of the overall cost of creating a letter and sending it out, we at Agent Mail charge $0.95 cents plus GST for a single-sided colour letter to be printed, posted, and mailed. So that's, um, that's postage, printing, uh, folding, Enveloping yep. the, the whole works, yeah, that's right. So, um, if you if you're doing it yourself, you, you sort of need to budget seventy cents for a stamp. There are certain discounts that you can get um, through using um, Australia Post bulk mail services, but there is a little bit involved in that. So, if you if you if you're listening and you want 
a bit more information about that, just shoot me an email. I'll, I'll make sure Mick puts my email address up as a contact. Yep. What's um, the, what's the, what is the best contact email? Yeah. So you? just info at agentmail.com.au. Um, flip me an email. I'm more than happy just to give you the advice that you need. You know, no strings attached. I would much rather you, you, you save the money than spend it with Australia Post. So, um, 70 cents for a stamp. If you're getting your, your printing done, depending on the quantity that you need done is where your costs are going to vary. So obviously getting a thousand flyers printed is going to be a lot um, more cost effective per unit than say getting hundred flies printed. So amazing that even you had a printing like to, to double your print run is like a, a oh it's negligible because difference. all the cost is in the setup. So you know setting up the job for print everything else, the the paper cost is essentially negligible um, and the print time is negligible. So it's all just in, in that setup process. So yeah you will often find that printing a thousand flies to printing two thousand flies, the cost difference might only be twenty or thirty dollars. So it's not it's not significant at all. So um, if you average around, if you sort of budget around about 20 cents per print, um, you know, that will probably cover you for, say, a run of 500 to 1,000, um, about 20 cents per print. Then your envelopes, if you go to office works, you can buy 500 envelopes for, I think, about $20 or something like that. Um, and then your, your sticky labels, if you were printing the addresses onto sticky labels rather than handwriting, I think it's about $20 for like 100 sticky labels or something like that. They're, they're, they're pretty expensive. So. Okay. So if you compare that, because, you know, Facebook ads, you know, there's all kinds of different variations you run, but if you had to pick a figure of, you know, cost per click, it'd be about 70 cents to a dollar, you know, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. So it's, we're in comparable territory. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And look, you know... I, Maybe I, it's I, for the time component. That's right, yeah. yes. Yeah, look, the, the time component, obviously, Facebook is set the ad up, set and forget. The direct mail component is likely to take you a bit more time if you try and do it yourself. Um, but once you've got the process in place, look... You know, yes, we have machines and everything like that. I've got some people that just literally will crack open a bottle of wine and a pizza, sit around the table and just fold and stuff the envelopes. Greasy fingers, not a good idea. But they will literally just sort of do that. And it's a couple of hours to, to you know, to knock out a few hundred letters. So, um, yeah, just about working out, yeah, how best to use your time. Awesome. Look, uh, that's, yeah, that's a heap of information because, you know, I've been touched around the, the size of direct mail and things like before, but it's not, not something I've done, you know, I've read about, you know, obviously it's good testing. Sure, yeah, so yeah. that's awesome, yeah. So thanks, Carl. Really appreciate yeah. sharing that. No worries. And, thanks uh, for your time. And folks, if you've been listening and you've got something out of it, then please, you know, you know, shoot Carl an email and say thanks or leave a comment on the blog post below here and I'll make sure Carl sees it. And same thing if you've got any questions, um, we'll either get Carl back to answering them or you can contact him direct. So that's awesome. Sure. Thanks, Carl. No worries. You've been listening to the Red Cliff Marketing Show with Mick Cullen. If you're looking for more resources, tips and tricks, and training workshops designed to boost your business marketing, then head to redcliffmarketinglabs.com.au. If you liked the show, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. Remember, action trumps everything else. Take one idea from today, implement it in your business, and let us know the results. So go on, get out there, and do some marketing.